Good morning. So as we were just singing about how God created anything for his glory, it exists for his glory, and, and then we're singing about praising him, I was, I was just thinking, uh, one of my, I'm sure it's among one of your favorite things too, but the springtime when the little glacier lilies and the trillium and all that start poking through the ground, and, and it's just that, that fresh uh, life coming out of the ground is an exciting thing, especially up here. And, and uh, I just, then my thought was, everything is created for God's glory. And, and I wish, uh, or I hope, I guess in the future, that we get to see replays. You know, I would love to see the creation of the universe. You know, I just, you wonder if God just spoke and it was like, poof, it was just like, done. Or if it was like massively fast growth. You know, like the trees just come up out of the ground. And, okay, in two hours they're full grown and everything's good, and and the flowers are blossomed and everything. You just wonder what it was like. And anyway, fun thoughts, but I do want to see how it was done. And I remember being in a, a class uh, at Bible College on Genesis, and and we spent some time talking about creation. And we were in a Psalm. Uh, I can't remember right now, but. Um, The, the language there in the Hebrew of the the heavens being um, stretched out like a garment. I can't remember what psalm that is exactly. But um, our professor there was, was really big into science and into creation. And he studies um, time and the speed of light and all those things. And, and uh, he's set up a contraption in Bozeman to measure the light diffraction around the earth because of the earth's gravity and how that diffracts light. His brain is like, I'm not even close, <laughs> you know, and he set up all these mirrors and anyway, doing all this stuff. And, but anyway, he thinks like in the Hebrew language and maybe some of just what he wants it to be. But he says, when God stretched out the heavens, it, it almost, it seems like there was a time scientifically much further back where things where light and all that went really fast and then got down to the speed that it is now. And anyway, uh, kind of interesting stuff to think about that maybe that was when God was speaking it and it was just really going fast, you know? And uh, not like light goes slow right now, but but uh, in our fun things to think about and about how all it is created for God's glory and for his pleasure. And uh, he has also created it for us to enjoy as well. So this morning, we get to go through Romans chapter eight verses 12 through 17 and uh, this is a this is a, a wonderful little section and it's a section where things are beginning to change in, in Paul's emphasis here in chapter 8 and there's some wonderful aspects here about being a part of God's family and uh, how we know and different things that are going on in our life through the Holy Spirit so a lot of a lot of wonderful things to dive into here, and I really feel like even though it's just a handful of verses, uh, there's so much more than I'm going to even be able to begin to speak about, uh, but it's hopefully it'll be a launching point just for your own personal time in Romans 8 to think about. So let's go ahead and read verses 12 through 17. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. It really won't um, touch much on that second half. The, the last little bit of verse 17, we will grab that next time as he gets more into suffering and how that is being like Christ. But, but this morning, uh, not debtors to the flesh uh, live. We don't want to live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so we're going to look at the Spirit's work a little bit this morning in our lives as true sons and daughters of God the Father and having our, uh, as Christ, as our brother being heirs uh, and family of God. So we need to start off by remembering just a little bit about where we were last time in the verses right before because he does start off verse 12 with therefore, right? He is really building on what he has been saying already in chapter 8 and we were uh, just right above that in 9 through 11, and we're not in the flesh but in the spirit, if the spirit dwells in you, right? So we were talking about that, that true sons and daughters have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, right? This, this old man flesh, that is the, uh, the old man, is, is, that's before we were believers, that is not what we are now. We are, have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and if... Falling up there, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not His, right? Every believer has the Holy Spirit. That is, the Spirit regenerates. The Spirit of God comes in and gives a new heart. The Spirit turns us to God and gives us, grants us repentance. And we turn to Him and, and, and the, the, we looked at the Holy Spirit gave Jesus Christ uh, resurrection from the dead. He brought Him back to life. Uh, in his mortal body, and that was what the Holy Spirit did. And if he did that for Jesus, he's going to do it for us, right? It's just more of that promise. If we have the Holy Spirit, Jesus is our example. He's the one that went first, right? He's the first one to rise, and then we will rise in like manner because of the Holy Spirit in us, right? And so uh, he will he will do that for us. So he's talking about this new life, and, and he's and he's he's mentioned the Holy Spirit several times in Romans, but this is like. A, a, a bigger emphasis, right? A turning point here where he is beginning to help us to understand the role of what the Holy Spirit is doing for us in causing us, specifically in this section, uh, to be adopted into the family of God. And how do we know that we have this adoption uh, in God's family, right? And so th this description here in 12 through 17 really is a, it, it's, Paul's, uh, I would say, demonstration of where your allegiance is, where, where your family is, who you belong to, right? Who we are truly indebted to, and it's not to the flesh, but, but to Jesus Christ, but to God and to his spirit. So we are debtors not to the flesh, verse 12 says, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, right? We, we've been in 
this kind of description before. Uh, this is the characterization of a life lived according to the flesh. If you are indebted to the flesh, in other words, if you owe the flesh, if you are just living your life out uh, in fleshly desires, the way that your natural heart, unsaved heart would lead you, if whatever it craves and that's what you follow, you're indebted to it, you're enslaved to it, you owe it, uh, that is the road toward death, right? And so this is, we're going to see more of our sanctification process through the rest of Romans 8 as well, of course, as you probably know well, the end of chapter 8. But, but here, Paul is getting at, hey, we, 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 we are not indebted to the flesh. We're not indebted to living according to the old man, uh, the sinfulness uh, that we uh, once were enslaved to. But because that leads to death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit transforms every believer. The, whole, the Holy Spirit is faithful, right? You see that in Philippians and other places. But, but God the Father, when he saves us, when, he, when he, he causes us to be his children and to be sheep rather than goats... He doesn't leave us as we were, right? He's faithful to transform us and make us more like Jesus. And so Paul uses this language and says, and he's gonna, we're going to get there. The true sons of God are those that, that live this way. But the Holy Spirit is connected. And what does he do? He is, he is uh, by the Holy Spirit, we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body. We will live. So those that are alive are going to be actively involved in putting to death sin. Crucifying the flesh, mortifying the flesh, whatever term that you like. But there is, here it's, there is going to be, uh, there's, there's comparison going on. This comparison of living according to the flesh ends in death, indebted to the flesh, versus alive living according to the Spirit, be, being led by the Spirit. We're going to talk about that. But uh, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, of the body, putting, killing our sin, that is going to be what believers do by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is going to be the evidence for us that we're His, that we belong to Him, right? Um, a part of this passage, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but a part of this passage you can think about here is, or the question you might ask yourself is, how do you view sin and your old man flesh? How do you view that? If you are, uh, and I'm kind of jumping ahead into, here, into verse 14, these are the sons of God being led by the Holy Spirit, but... If your view is, I don't worry about sin, I don't care about sin, sin's fine in my life, whatever, I just go about my life, then, then there's a good chance that the Holy Spirit isn't in you. Because the Holy Spirit, it's what he does. He works within you to put to death the deeds of the flesh, the, death, the, the deeds of the body, the sin in our lives is being put to death 
through the working of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, if you hate your sin, if you just if if it bothers you and you are bugged continually by the junk in your life, that's a good thing. Right? Don't get upset because, man, I wish I wasn't upset about this all the time, but no, go, oh, thank you, Lord. That's a good thing. That is that's the that's showing the demonstration that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, which means you belong to Him. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in a sec. But but if we are attentive to the Holy Spirit because He's in us, we will hate our sin. We won't love it. When we do bad things, when we when we fall away, it will bother us. And um uh, Looking at this, I don't want to skip over uh, Galatians 6. So turn to Galatians 6 for a moment. Um, Galatians 6, there, there's language in some of these passages that looks a lot like uh, what Paul is saying here. And whether it's indebted to the flesh or by the Spirit, killing sin, right? Put into death. So th- that is, there's this, cause and effect kind of, not maybe cause and effect isn't the right terminology, but there's this two ways of life, right, going on here. And in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 6 is what we see is Paul saying, don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the of his flesh will of flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. D- different words same uh, idea, right? Same theme running through. Paul is trying to get us to see if you're living according to the flesh, you're on the road to death. If you're living according to the spirit, you're on the road to life. You'll live, right? But if you're living according to the spirit, it means you're putting to death the deeds of the body, right? You're putting to death the sin in our lives. Let's look at Ephesians 4 as well while we're flipping around. Ephesians 4, let's do 20 through 22 through 24. Here's this battle or this war that's going on in our lives that you put off concerning your former con- conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So a little different phrasing, but again, Paul being the author here, trying to get across, this is what your new life looks like. This is what life in Christ, having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, looks like. You're putting off the way that we used to be. Before the Holy Spirit dwelt in us, it was just corruption, old man, deceitful lusts, and now we are called by the Holy Spirit of God to put those things away. Right? Put those things away. And, and, and this is helpful. This verse 23 and 24 is helpful because it shows us where we're going to go here in these verses in the sense of what's that look like uh, to be led by the Holy Spirit here. It's being renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put 
on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing within us. He's causing us to be new, a new person in Christ, right? He is giving us those new loves and those new desires within our heart. We, we used to want only what we wanted, selfish ambition, wherever those lusts take us, that's what we wanted and that's what we went after. That's all we cared about. Now, when we're children of God, we are going to be renewing our, the spirit of our mind, but we're, we're being made new, true righteousness and holiness. We, we are going to love what God loves. We're going to love what God says. We're going to love his word because that is, a, that is who he is and the description of him. And, and we are being made into true righteousness and holiness. We have that in Christ when we place our faith in him and the Holy Spirit is working it in our lives, right? So back to Romans 7, it's, uh, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God, right? And of course, ladies can put daughters. <laughs> it's easier for read that way. But we're children of God. We're God's people if we are led by the Spirit of God. That the true sons and daughters of God are those that are led by the Holy Spirit. Right? That is the description of their life. That's what's true about them. And they will look like having the Holy Spirit within them. Right? So, so a couple things are going to be happening. There's going to be evidence, and we're going to see this in these next verses, so I'll just kind of state this ahead of time. But there's going to be the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that does two things. Evidence of the Holy Spirit killing sin in our lives is going to be evidence to those around us that we, we belong to the family of God. Right? That's clear throughout Scripture. In, in early in Acts, the Holy Spirit was given for what? The Holy Spirit was given for power. For us to preach the good news. Right for boldness, for powerful Christian living, so that the world can see, oh, those people are different. God is real. That's His representatives, right? So, so the Holy Spirit gives us those uh, that that representation for the world. But then here, mainly the main point uh, uh, in Paul's mind here is that it's going to give us an understanding that we belong to Him. When we are led by his Holy Spirit, we know that we are sons and daughters of God. Right? If we're not led by the Holy Spirit, we have no evidence. We have no proof. We have no sustenance that, that yes, you do belong to God. Right? If the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives is where it's at. A lot of people... Um, talk about being led by the Holy Spirit in, in ways that can be true biblically. And, and some people get led off in totally weird tangents. They just kind of add stuff that says, oh, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. That means I got to know, I know that this is what God wants me to do. I know that's what God wants me to do and all this. And, and that can be true. Uh, it also can be not very biblical. And being led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, um, most times in Scripture looks like this. Being led by the Holy Spirit means killing sin 
and living to righteousness. Being led by the Holy Spirit means denying the old man and putting on the new man. Right? Being led by the Holy Spirit is like, okay, God, yeah, that's not the way I should be doing. I should not be doing that. I repent. Please forgive me. Yes, your way is righteousness. Your way is this way. Right? That is, being led by the Holy Spirit is understanding that God is our Father and He wants what's best for us. And that's living according to His Word. Right? And that's, uh, that's why I, I appreciate it. When I was young, uh, it was 21 or 22 or something like that, first moved to Montana, and, and I was listening to some sermons by John MacArthur and uh, ones that my grandma had passed me. And, and one of the tapes she had sent me was, was Knowing the Will of God right, by MacArthur. And it was really good, and I can remember a good portion of it still today. Um, because he was like, people always ask, What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but he, was, he basically said, well, yeah, God's will for your life is if you do this, where it says God's will for you is this, God's will for you is this, God's will for you is this. If you're following what God says his will is in Scripture, then you can do whatever you want. You know, marry that person, you can move to that country, you can take that job, you can do this, you can do that, you can do whatever. If you're following God's will, what he states well, make your own choices and do whatever you want to do because it'll line up with God, you know? And uh, and it was just really, uh, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, well, that's pretty freeing. I can make up choices because if I'm following God's will, then it'll be good and I won't be making a sinful choice. And uh, But it was just, uh, it was an interesting sermon that he gave. And, uh, but it, 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 it helped me to cue into, because that was a young point in my life, what am I supposed to be doing, right? And, but it, it, it's good for me to cue in now is whenever I'm reading, I'll notice that in Scripture. God's will for you is kind of thing. God's will for his people is this or that. And I'm like, oh, got it. That's an easy direction to follow. And that's also, of course, God's word is used how? Through his Holy Spirit. Right? This is the sword of the Spirit. Right, is the word of God. God's spirit uses his word in our hearts, in our lives, uh, to direct us and lead us. Let's, uh, let's go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 18. Well, I'll back up into 16. We'll read 16 through 18. But this is this is this this um, battle that is much the same as we're reading in Romans. And I say then, walk in the Spirit, much the same as being led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Right? And he goes into all those that's all the fleshly things, and then here's the fruit of the Spirit, right? But it is, it, it's so much the same ideas in Paul's mind, and he states it in all these wonderfully different ways, is that, man, the old man of flesh is just, it hates God's Spirit, and it just is at war against God's Spirit, and not doing what you want to do. That Back to that Romans 7 thing, and then, you know, the Spirit is, is producing life in you, and is, and is battling against the, the sin in the flesh, and there's this life and death battle that goes on in us. 
And some people at that point, when they read these kind, this kind of language, if you live according this way, you're going to die. You live according this way, you're going to live. And they might all of a sudden in their mind go, well, does that mean it's just wishy-washy whether I'm going to heaven or not? Is anything sure or is it just the way I live? And um, I would just defer you to later on that we're going to get to that wonderful passage later on in Romans 8 in verse uh, 28 through 30, right? And that, and that is that, that assuredness of what God does is start to finish, right? We know all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, purpose for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among my brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And these he also, and, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's a start to finish program with God. He doesn't start you and then drop kick you, right? He doesn't do that. He's a faithful father. He completes everything that he sets out to do. And he calls you to be his child. He's not going to kick you out of the family, right? He is Holy Spirit. He puts his spirit in you to finish the job. He seals you, right? Remember Ephesians chapter 1? He seals you with his Holy Spirit over you until the redemption of the purchased possession, right? Until the job is all the way done. But it is a battle. And so we don't just get this truth that, oh yeah, you place your faith in Jesus, you're going to heaven and nothing else. You get all the real deal in scripture. This is what life really looks like. And this is what we have to do. We are, as children of God, we are battling sin and the flesh. We are constantly at war. Satan wants to destroy us and to tear us away from God. And God won't let that happen. So so there is, um, as a part of that, being led by the Holy Spirit, is uh, following God's word killing sin. That's probably probably the, the, the uh, purest, I don't know, purest form of being led by the Holy Spirit is just, is being at war with sin, right? Killing sin and living to righteousness. That, that is what it looks like because he, God wants us, as we just read, he wants us to turn us into the image of Jesus Christ. He wants us to look like our older brother, Right? So, um, I appreciate that when Peter talks about we have been given all that we need to live a life of godliness. Right? We, we, there's not, we, we're not giving just a little bit of the Holy Spirit where we can kind of do the job, but we can't get, do it all the way. We're given enough of the Holy Spirit to do to live a life of godliness, to get it all done. There's, there's nothing that is too big for us, as we read in Corinthians, right? He's not going to give us more we can handle. But he's going to give us, our, and we're going to read this later on in Romans 8, not this morning, but uh, that God is a good father. He's going to give us everything that we need, right? He, he gave us his son. If he gave us his son, and his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit, of course he's going to give us everything that we need for this life, right? He already has, right? Through Jesus and his Spirit. That's everything that we need. So this, in this uh, battle against the flesh and living in according, to, according to the Spirit, putting to death uh, the flesh, 
uh, being led by the Spirit, showing that we're sons of God. This I want to I want to read a couple of the verses of the words of Jesus because it sounds there's the same intensity, the same outlook, but different words from Jesus as well. So go to Matthew 11. These are the these are the words that sometimes are a little bit. Um, some people can misunderstand, I guess, but they're not. I don't think we need to make more of them than they are. It's just this is this is the intensity that Jesus speaks about, right? The seriousness with which he speaks in chapter eleven, um, verse twelve. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Right? And he's, he's talking about John the Baptist, and he's just. And he's talking about those that will that will hear him and take it to heart and follow him. And um, just there is a this isn't just a peaceful world right now. Right. One day it will be. But right now it's a violent place. There's a spiritual battle going on. Uh, There's it's life and death, spiritual life and death. And Jesus is saying, hey, those that really want it. They're taking it. They're charging the hill. They're going after it. Turn over to chapter 18 of Matthew. And uh, some people make the Christian life out to be way too easy. You know, just believe and it's all good kind of thing. And that, and it's just like, well, when we place our faith in Christ, that's when the battle starts. <laughs> right? that's, that's when it gets hard. Because <laughs> there's a lot of promises of suffering, which we're going to get to another, next week. There's a lot of prophets, prof, um, a lot of truth about uh, suffering with Christ and and how we're very blessed by going through suffering with Him. He suffered for us. But chapter 18, verse 8 says, "If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life maimed, uh, lame or maimed, rather than having two hands and or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire." Right. We know these verses, right? Cut it off, cast it away from you. Do whatever it takes so you don't go to hell, right? Do whatever it takes in your battle against sin so that you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, right? Kill the sin that's in you. Sin has a way of drawing you, and you can think that you're just doing a religious thing, but you're living according to sin in the flesh, and you're just on your way to hell. The world is full of religiously good people. Right, that are not on their way to heaven because they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and I thought about this, this, this thing. There, there are all kinds of people in all kinds of religions around the world that are massively faithful to buffet their bodies. That, that are just insanely disciplined to do religious works, right? Denying their body, right? Whether it's through fasting or through being alone or not speaking it just you know there's people that'll go lock themselves away there's people that'll take all these different vows and do and walk around mountains bowing and doing all these sacrifices and there are people that do all kinds of links to do everything to please god but it's still according to the flesh and it's not according to righteousness it's not being led by the holy spirit it's not really denying sin it's actually feeding sin those religious works are uh, because they're trying to earn. They're not living by faith in Christ's work. And so it's all for naught. And in fact, all it does is ingrain in people a self-righteousness 
a puffing up of their sin and their self. And Jesus says, you got to kill sin. You have to do battle with it. And, and for, for many people, that might be religious sin, Pharisee-type sin, right? Jesus was constantly dealing with the religious folks. Those are the worst ones. Those are the ones that killed him. Thought they were doing service to God, and they killed him. They thought they are pleasing God. And so you can do a lot of crazy stuff religiously and still be a Pharisee and not be led by the Holy Spirit and demonstrate that you're a son of God. So, but they were very active at it. We need to be very active at killing sin, Jesus says. And uh, we've already seen this. Turn back to Romans. Look at chapter 6, verse 6. We've already seen this kind of thing, this, this battle raging that we are called to. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Chapter 6, verse 6, and then drop down to verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in, it, it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Right? So we are, we are called to grace. We are called to battle. We're called to, to kill that sin and not let it be reigning over us. So that like we said, we read there in verse 12 of chapter 8, we're not debtors to the flesh. We don't want to be enslaved to the flesh. We don't want to live according to the flesh and just follow it and because it leads to death. Right? We see this all over uh, six, chapter 6, chapter 8. And, and, but back to here. Let's read, okay, we, we're living according uh, to the, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds, the sinful deeds. Being led by the Spirit, that's what being led by the Spirit is. It demonstrates that we're sons of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And, and stop there for a sec, but, but incredible, every little bit of these verses is really incredible because this, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So, so that indebtedness to the flesh, that bondage to sin that we've talked about, that enslavement to sin, what does it give you? Fear. Right? It gives you fear. Fear of everything out there. You see people, you think people are uh, in bondage to fear out there? Well, like, all you do is take away toilet paper. Right? Like you just take away the smallest little thing and people are panicking and looting and rioting and killing others because they live according to the flesh and they have nothing but fear in their lives. Right? And, and they just go crazy. It's according to fear. But God doesn't give us that through his Holy Spirit. He's rescuing us away from that. But, it's, but, but the big one, the big fear is what? The fear of death. The fear of separation from God. Uh, turn to Romans, excuse me, Romans, uh, Hebrews. Chapter 2, right? There's that, that great verse in, in Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 15. Start in 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
right? It's such a great couple verses there. Outside of Christ, you're just subject to the fear of death. You're enslaved to your sin, and you're just afraid of eternal separation from a God who you don't even know. You're just afraid of judgment. And Satan is, is going around killing, right? But, but Jesus released us from that fear of death. That is an incredible part of our inheritance that we're going to get to in a second, right? But that's a part of what a wonderful gift from our Father is freedom from fear of death, right? So that is a part of that bondage. But the Holy Spirit has set us free from that. And, and the Holy Spirit does what? He gives us the spirit of adoption. We've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's what the Spirit does when he comes in and redeems you and I, when he gives us new life. He puts that assurance into your soul and into your heart that I have a Father in heaven. He is my Father. He's a good Father. I can cry out to him for whatever I need, whether it's uh, just I, I am lonely, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm in pain, I'm, I'm needing comfort, I'm needing help to defeat sin, I, I'm needing courage to stand up, I'm needing whatever, we can cry out, Father, I need you. Right? I need what only you can give. You're my Father, help me. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like, read the Psalms, right? It's like, that's what David did all day long. Father, help me. Father, see me through this. He's like a perfect example of us for us to have a pray, having that spirit of adoption, knowing that God is our Father. And it and it just it's one of those things that that's why it makes me so angry that this country is so hell bent on destroying the family and destroying fathers, destroying mothers, destroying the family, just just killing, you know, because God designed the family to reflect himself in the Trinity. We are called to reflect God. He created us for his pleasure, as we sang. He created us for his pleasure, and we are to reflect him. Fathers are called to reflect God the Father in ways. Mothers are called to reflect God in their ways that they're created. Children, we're called to reflect the Trinity in different ways, in different aspects of who God is. And it bothers me when people reject God and then want to destroy everything that God has made good, and that is our families. But he's given us that spirit of adoption, and this is good evidence for you and for me that we belong to a family of God, is when your heart and your spirit inside cries out, I love you, Father. Right? I believe in my Father has given me his Son, that I am his, that I want to follow him. It, just those cries of our heart is a demonstration that says, yes, I hate my sin and I love you. You are my Father. Right? Those, are, those are good things that the Holy Spirit has done for you and for I. And that's why it goes so hand-in-hand hand right there with verse 16. The Spirit himself 
bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, there are going to be people out there that are going to make this look false. right? There's people out there that are going to be, oh, I'm a child of God, and then go out and live like hell. right? I'm a child of God. He loves us all. right? And, and there's going to be that. But that's why Paul is so stressing. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. There is a life that says, Abba, Father, that loves God and is a true child of God. And those that are not. And then this is the same, these are the same words, of course, that Jesus spoke, right? Going to the cross. You know, Abba, Father. Right? This is that this is that intimacy, right? Just an intimacy. We we get it. And that's why I think I believe they uh, the writers of the gospel and have carried across the original language there and just leaving it Abba. Okay? Just because it's just one of those words that is intimate and we get it. Right? Um, we all, uh, you know, a long time ago, when Greg and I first started having kids, we we're like, okay, what are the names for our parents? <laughs> you know, is Oma and Opa, Greta's parents, and Papa and Tootsie for my parents, right? They think I have pet names for grandparents. Right? But that's what we do. We have special pet names for the ones we love. And that's why we have, we say, Abba, Father. Right? It's like saying it twice. You know? But, but it's meaningful. It's because we love him and, and that's that affection term for him. And so it comes across all the languages of time and we leave it alone. But God's Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit he speaks to us. He assures us that we're children of God, right? And if we're children, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, right? And those are, those are incredible promises to us that we are heirs. And, and I was reading Ephesians chapter 1 again a while ago just to... The, the second half of chapter 1 in Ephesians is, is one that I don't know that I fully understand. But it talks about our inheritance in the saints. And I won't go into it this morning, but it talks about our inheritance in the saints. And, and, and it starts off in the early part uh, with the Holy Spirit and sealing us and all that and granting us an inheritance. But um, I, I don't know all of our inheritance. I wish I had a better understanding of all that are given to us by God the Father, right? But... Um, but we're, we're joint heirs with Christ. In other words, there's not going to be anything that God is not going to give you as his child. Right? And, and I'm speaking there, I guess, of uh, two ways, I guess. He gives us what he knows is best for us right now and everything that we need right now. And some things we think we need, we don't need. Right? <laughs> we, we still ask for them a lot. But, but he provides everything for us. But our inheritance, I guess I have mainly in mind, our, our fulfillment of our inheritance in heaven is going to be absolutely, completely fulfilled, lacking zero. And, um, and, and I guess it's kind of like Revelation, 
I, I for me, have to put it in the negative because I don't know what it all includes. It, it's not lacking anything, so it has everything, even though I don't know what everything is. But that's why I started off with talking about or thinking about uh, heaven. Uh, um, excuse me, the creation of the heavens and the earth and, and creation, because God created all this for His glory, but for us to enjoy and to take care of, and the beauty of it. I, I think of that kind of beauty, and that's what I can mainly imagine is what we see, what we what is tangible to us. And, and so that's what I try to view as in the, in the resurrected, completely finished, renewed earth in heaven. It's going to be absolutely mind-blowing when we're blown away by the mountains and the flowers and the water and all the beauty. We're going to be completely blown away that, uh, of all that in heaven. And then we'll probably be completely even more blown away that we're all done away with sin. And we're all going to like each other a lot more. Right. It's just like, I'm not going to struggle with Rob so much. You know, it's like, man, it just, you know, bugs me so much, you know, but it's going to be like, oh, we're better friends. Right. But, but no, it's just like all the sin is going to be gone. So all of our relationships are absolutely going to always work out and be perfect. And I just, I don't know about you, but even our good friends, you know, every once in a while you just struggle with people. Like I do, I don't know about you, but I struggle and it's hard to, and, and you're wanting to fight for relationships and friendships and you want to keep them good and, and knowing that they're going to be perfect one day, but it's rough. And, and, and a part of our inheritance, I believe, is like God's going to give us everything and that family of God is going to be so wonderful. And, um, but one thing we do know, and, that, and that's just more of me imagining of things, I guess, but the one thing we do know, a part of our inheritance is Jesus Christ, right? We're going to have all of Jesus Christ. It's going to be walking with him in the garden type thing, like Genesis, right? It's going to be walking and talking with him and enjoying the fullness of his presence, right? That's going to be incredible. And a part of that is, is like is like David cried out, you know, God, or excuse me, not, not David, I had that in my mind from before, but uh, Jeremiah, like in Lamentations, Jeremiah cries out to God, you are my portion. I'm sure David probably says it in the Psalm somewhere too, but but God is our portion. And and as a part of this, we're gonna have Jesus, we're gonna have our Father, He's gonna be our all in all. Uh, he's gonna be everything for us. That's a part of our inheritance. And um, like Revelation talks about, you know, the, the trees are gonna be producing fruit in all seasons. Right? It's they're always going to be wonderful fruit of life. Uh, giving waters there and, and all that that includes. And then um, just just to end, we're joint heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God when, when we, this, we're led by the Holy Spirit. And if indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified together. Uh, I just want to, we'll just end with Colossians 1, 24. And then we'll get into the suffering more next time. I, I, I don't, not my intent is not here to just kind of leave us in a lurch or leave us just with a thought, but but a part of being joint heirs with Christ is killing sin and um, living by the Holy Spirit. As he was led by the Holy Spirit completely, so we are to be. And a part of that is that suffering with Christ. He's our brother. He led it for us and did it for us. And Paul says in verse 24 of chapter 1, I, I now rejoice in my sufferings. Probably before he didn't, right? But he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings. For you, 
and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul got to a point where he says, you know what? I am living for Christ's body. I'm living for the church. I'm living for God's people. And he's given his entire life to do so. And he says, you know what? The world is going to continually punish the church just like it punished Jesus. And I'm glad for it. He says, I'll, I'll gladly take it on. Christ took it on. I gladly take it on for you, is what he says, because it's a part of being united to Christ. It's a part of being a part of Christ's body. And, in, and it's, he rejoices in it. And that is a part of being led by the Holy Spirit as well. So let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you for our time in Romans. Uh, Father, it just seems like Romans 8 is so incredible and so deep and so vast. And Father, I just ask you, cause us just to meditate on it. When we wake up in the middle of the night, just cause Romans 8 to come to our minds and hearts and just help us to just rejoice in the fact that we can be heirs of Jesus Christ, that we are sons of you, that we have you as our Father and the Holy Spirit of God is in us. And Father, we just want to thank you for that. And um, you couldn't have designed a more beautiful, perfect way um, for our lives and for our salvation, but for us to um, be able to commune with you, um, our Creator and Father, and that one day we get to be with you. And Father, the, the plan of life and salvation is, is a glorious one. And Father, we just thank you for Romans 8. In Jesus' name.